0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another edition of Bar Top Sports Talk. You are turning in for episode 39, another episode closer to 40. Another mini milestone for us. How do you feel about that, Ryan? Pretty cool. So you're joined, as always, by your host, Tino Bernal, and my co-host now, Ryan the Rhino Murray, a.k.a. Big (laughs) Murr. Sorry, man. That's just going to stick.
1: It's everyone
2: a, at work calls me that now.
0: It's a fan favorite. Well, I hope everyone tunes in today because we are joined by a very special guest, our first guest of the new year, 2023. In the first episode of February, actually, we're joined by Gabe Bigby Alvarez, longtime friend of the show. He's making his Bar Top Sports Talk debut. Bigby introduce yourself to the people
3: uh, yeah my name is Gabe I'm known Tino, you know for a very long time since we were kids playing football uh I've always had to you know be his little security guard protecting him on the field man you know making sure I get in the way so he can get in that end zone
0: that you did that you did you were definitely my security blanket so I, I played a little bit of quarterback back in the day and I'm on five seven so imagine that didn't go very well but I did have Gabe, so for those of you who don't know, Gabe is actually now assigned to an arena football team in South Dakota, Rapid City, South Dakota, so before Gabe shipped out to camp this week, we wanted to get Gabe on the show, especially for this episode, so to kind of highlight some of the things we have for you all on episode 39 of Top Sports Talk, we're going to have some college hoops talk, of course. You know We're not going to go too much into the top 25 since it's later in the week, since it's a Friday edition, but we're going to talk some NBA as well. Again, we're not going to really go over the power rankings the NBA posted this week, but me and Ryan and Gabe will kind of chime in a little bit about like our top five teams again. And we're we'll also going to be talking some all-star ballots, because all-star game is this month now, Ryan, So last episode was the last episode of January, first episode now of February. All-Star game, I believe, will be in two weeks. What did we say? It was the uh, weekend of February 18th or something like that? Yeah. So we'll have that for you guys. All the the rosters got released. We know who the starters are, the captains, the coaches. We'll give our thoughts on all of that. Who got snubbed? Who should be in? Who should be out? You guys have to wait for that towards about halfway through the show. But one of the main reasons we have Gabe on this show is because, as I mentioned, He's played football at a high level. He is also an offensive lineman. And I think it's fair to say one of the biggest matchups for the upcoming Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57, between the Kansas City Chiefs, our Kansas City Chiefs, against the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to be won or lost in the trenches. There's so many key matchups along the offensive line for Philly, along the defensive line of Kansas City, and then vice versa, Kansas City's offensive line and Philly's defensive line. So... Towards the end of the show, we're going to be talking some Super Bowl preview. Not too much because we're also going to be previewing the big game next week as well. But we're going to preview it a little bit. Gabe's going to give us kind of a breakdown. So be a little special treat for you all. And we'll also have some news around the NFL as well. And to go along with that, we'll also have some news around the league for the NBA because trade deadline is also coming up with the All-Star game. But to start off this 39th episode kind of give a look into college basketball and i think first we can start off ryan by highlighting this past weekend we're not going to dig too much into it but i think we have to we have to say something big 12 owned the sec and the big 12 sec challenge
2: yeah seven out of ten games
0: so that was those were a lot of marquee matchups so they got a lot of media hype especially on espn so here was the slate Auburn Face, West Virginia, Iowa State, Missouri, TCU, Mississippi State, Texas, Tennessee, which is actually, I didn't think about that one. That's the old uh, Coach Barnes. Mm He was the old coach for Texas. I completely forgot about that. The marquee one of the entire slate was KU, Kentucky. We all know how that went. Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, LSU, Baylor versus Arkansas, K State versus Florida, and then Oklahoma State and Ole Miss. So, as Ryan mentioned, Big 12 secured seven of those wins. West Virginia won. Uh, KU won. Oklahoma, oddly enough, upset the number two team in the country. They upset the Alabama Crimson Tide. They might be a team come tournament time that, you know, the, like Joe Linardi, the bracketology and all that, that the people that are part of the committee, they give a long, hard look at because they're a team that win like that at this point in the season. Heading into the, uh, February and then also March right around the corner, they could start getting hot and go on a run. They might look at that win and say, hey, you know, they're deserving to be in that group of 64, if not the plan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then Texas Tech, they took care of business against LSU. Baylor beat Arkansas. That one's not too big of a surprise. All the K-State fans, they were very excited about the win against Florida. It wasn't, I don't know, how do you feel about that Ryan? They're just mid. That's not really a signature win, I wouldn't say. No, not at all. Oklahoma State over Ole Miss. I think that was kind of a big win for Oklahoma State because they're trying to have a team kind of claw their way back into the fight, just like Oklahoma. Now, look at the Big 12 as a whole. We can kind of look at that because it will show us the current standings.
1: So, I believe. Oh, here. Hold on. ESPN is being funky. Well, do you can you pull it up, Ryan? What?
0: The Big Twelve Standings. My laptop's being funky. Some on technical difficulties during the recording. Yeah, I got it. So who's at the top? Is K State at the top still?
2: No, Texas is seven and two. Texas is at seven and two, okay. Kansas, K State, T C U and Iowa State are all tied at six and three.
0: And then we still have six teams ranked, correct? Yeah. Six teams were still ranked in the top ten. So it's gonna. It's still a very, very tight race. It's up for. It's up for anyone right now. Anyone can possibly take home the regular season Big Twelve Championship. I think what's going to happen, and you might agree with this, Ryan. I think it's going to be a split. Might might even potentially be a three way tie, depending on how it goes.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be decided this the next two games for everybody.
0: I think that's fair. Gabe, you've experienced KU. In Allen Fieldhouse, you know how it can be. You can never really count them out this year. They've had teams have thrown their punches. You know, we lost to Baylor, we lost to K State, and we lost to who else was it during that three game stretch? TCU. TCU. So, I mean, we've taken our lumps early on in the Big 12. I know you, you don't really follow college basketball all too well, but I know you're a KU fan. You just can't count them out, right?
3: No, most definitely you cannot, man.
0: And just kind of just it, your experience that the environment at Allen Fieldhouse, man.
3: Oh, yeah, man. It's it's definitely wild, man, for sure.
0: So you get – I don't know how many more home games we have, but just knowing that teams have to come here to play us, I, I have to feel confident. I know the TCU game happened. We lost by 23. But, again, I, feel, I think you feel very confident, especially if teams are coming here later in the season. But then, again, we have to take care of business on the road. So which we can kind of look into KU right now. Ryan, do you have their schedule pulled up? Yeah. So who do we have this week in Iowa State?
2: Yeah, Iowa State. And then we play Texas at home.
0: So those are gonna be two very big ones, especially in Ames. We all know how they they're essentially a better version of K State. But I actually I can appreciate them a lot more because Ames, Iowa, the Hilton Magic, you know, we've had our rough patches there before. Yeah. It's no secret. I think it's more intimidating than the octagon of Doom. I know we lost there earlier this season, but I still still want to take the play serious. I'd still take Hilton Coliseum over, you know, Bram Lynch Coliseum. Oh, sure. But that, that's an important two-game stretch, especially when you have the league-leading Texas Longhorns. You said we're they're here in Lawrence?
2: Uh, we play at Iowa State and then Texas. And we and haven't played
0: play. Texas right yet. No. So we have to take care of business against them. That'll be an important one. And then, so then what would be the third game after that?
2: At Oklahoma.
0: At Oklahoma. Can't take them lightly either. Those Grove brothers, they're coming off the big win against, you know, Alabama, as I mentioned. So it's it's not going to get any easier for KU. We said that before. We said that in the last episode. But they started to finally get, their, get back on their feet. And they did it in a big way last week in Lexington. They beat Kentucky. That was always a big one because those are two of the most winningest college basketball programs in the country. We obviously have edged them out on that now, but especially with this last victory too, there is a there is a question people posted on I believe it was on Twitter. They're asking which coach would you rather have, you know, Coach Calipari or Coach Self, and I think uh Kyle Perry has a compelling case he does, but I just think you can't you can't go away from Bill Self.
2: there's no way
0: at Calipari, he won at what was it, UMass and then nearly won at Memphis and then almost at Kentucky, but he's all had all those number one you know guys the McDonald's all, the McDonald's, all the Americans. Bill Self has two, but I think Bill Self's been sustained the success more. You've never seen a Kansas team outside the top 25. You never seen a Kansas team miss the NCAA tournament. I, I think get
2: beat by Robert Morris in the first <laughs> round of the NIT in a 2500 seat gym.
0: Yes, exactly. I, I wasn't going to go that low, but you you you, you threw a haymaker there. Yeah. So yeah, we we got back into Kansas form, playing Kansas basketball, beat them. Did a really good job against Oscar Sheway. Only allowed 19 boards to him. I was really nervous to see how we were going to handle him, but. What was it, Ernest Uday? Yep. He stepped up big time. And again, we can look into this past game, little brother. We got payback against them. They were talking all that smack. K-State had to come into Allen Fieldhouse and basically see if they could do it again, see if they could beat us twice. They haven't swept KU since the 80s. Their last win in Allen Fieldhouse was in 2006, I believe. So that win wasn't going to come easy. KU ended up winning by twelve. Ernest Uday Jr. again, he had another big game, not necessarily like box score wise, but his impact. You know, some of those guys on KU's roster, they they have to go beyond the box score. So it, it's been good. Now I said it last week on the thirty-eighth episode. I said we're gonna beat two Wildcats. What's the, what's the saying? Two birds, one stone. Yeah, two Wildcats, one stone. So very excited for that. Now we get like I mentioned, Iowa State. It's going, to be, it's going to be a big week. Got to keep the momentum rolling if you're a KUJ hot. Definitely something to be excited about. I think there hasn't been too much news out of the college basketball world. I believe the top 10 hasn't really had it too many losses. I know a lot of people are really high on Purdue. Have you have you had a chance to kind of check in on them this season yet, yeah. Ryan?
2: Yeah, threes B twos.
0: I think that guy, what's his name?
2: I just know he's seven four.
0: Yeah, seven four. They said he's been unstoppable nearly.
2: Yeah, we just got to run it in transition. It'd be really cool if Zach Clemens could play better, so then we'd have to force him out of the paint to cover him on the three, open up the lane, everything else open up. That would be true. Or just run it in transition. He doesn't move very well. He doesn't move smooth like Dope did.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he's not very. He's not a athletic. Or graceful seven footer, I should say, like no, it JoJo. Like it hurts. Yeah,
2: every time he moves. I don't know if he's really seven four. I know they hype that up sometimes, but he's giant for sure. I mean, he's good, but I don't know who have they played.
0: True, Gabe. I, I do have a question for you. I don't want to leave you hanging on this college basketball segment with the Big Twelve tournament coming up, and I believe me and Ryan talked about it. Kansas City should be hosting the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight. Do you think that if you had the chance to, I know you can have a, you know, a busy schedule with football and everything. Do you think you'd make a road trip down to, you know, maybe catch a game? Or if there's, I know there's some venues surrounding the Rapid City area. There's like Salt Lake City. Would you try to go catch a game?
3: Uh, I mean, it kind of just depends on the football schedule. You know, if we will have a bye week or not when it comes to that time.
0: That's fair enough. That's fair enough you got to re- represent your Jayhawks everywhere you go, though. Of
3: course, of course.
0: When you are up there, you'll have to give my cousin some grief. Most he, definitely. He is a North Carolina Tar Heels fan. So for the longest time, we didn't like him because, uh, you know, obviously Roy Williams, the former KU coach. But it, his whole thing is pretty funny. you have to ask him about it. He has a Jordan tattoo on his bicep. like He's Jordan everything. I mean, he grew up on Jordan. He's a born in the '70s, late '70s, grew up in the '80s. So like Jordan was the guy. So that's kind of where his UNC background comes from. But you'll definitely have to give him some give him some crap, especially the national championship game.
3: Most definitely, man.
0: But that's enough. That's where college basketball is right now. Next week, we'll hopefully be able to get the 40th episode on a Wednesday that we can kind of break down the top ten and the AP poll. And kind of, we'll keep track of this pat this coming up weekend. See if any teams get upset or anything. So tune in for episode forty for that. But for now, we're gonna turn to the NBA edition,
1: the hardwood, the association. Our hoop analyst, Ryan
0: Murr, Big Murr. So the power rankings this week. I, I know we, I said we weren't gonna go based off of them. I believe it hasn't really changed. A Awfully too much, I wanna say. I think Denver, Boston still one and two. And I wanna say maybe Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, the Nets dropped out of the top five. Grizzlies dropped down to number five from the three spot.
0: So oh, this is this is pretty surprising. So this is as four days ago, and we're not gonna go dive really deep into it. Philadelphia. The the Sixers actually are the number one team in this latest power rankings. That's pretty interesting considering they don't have the best record. So, it's a new week. We're not going to base it off our opinions. What is your current top five, Ryan? Just based on how the standings are shaping up.
2: In no particular order, what? Celtics, Cavs. Memphis Nuggets, Milwaukee and Grizzlies.
0: You're you're back on the Cavs, hype? Not at all. They they took it to Memphis the other night. Was it Donovan Mitchell and Dylan Brooks got ejected? Yeah, that was pretty funny.
2: I think they can. I mean, they can't win the East, right? There's no way they beat the Celtics or the Bucks in a series of seven.
0: I I can't see it happening. There's no way. Boston. Boston isn't quite as deep as what you know Denver is, of course, but the run that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are on this season, I think those are two completely different players from the finals. I I, mean, I think that that final series against the Warriors really helped make them like elevate their game. like They know what they have to do to reach that level and to go actually finish the job and get that championship. I think they're two guys on a mission this year, and I think... Really, it'd be even hard for Milwaukee to take them down, but for my top five, I think I, I would go. I would go Boston. Might sound a little biased, but and then Denver's a close second. I would probably go. I'd still probably go Milwaukee, and then Philly at number four. I don't really, I don't really know the reasoning for having Philly at number one, for the NBA's perspective at least.
2: I think just everyone's getting healthy. They're starting to play better, find their groove. Harden stepped up his game. Don't, yeah,
0: don't get me wrong. They are a good team. They're exciting to watch, especially when everyone is fully healthy. I just I, I can't see them beating anybody either out of the East, Like at least making the Eastern Conference Finals because uh, did they get there? Was it the year that Kawhi hit that shot on them? Or was, it, or was that the semifinals in the Eastern Conference?
2: I think, was it the finals?
0: I can't remember because exactly.
2: Or the the 76ers losing the finals to Atlanta and Bill Simmons wouldn't, or Ben Simmons wouldn't hit the layup and he passed it out.
0: Something like that. that those were two different years, but yeah. Oh, they were? Yeah. Damn. The fifth team for me, I don't even want to say Memphis, but at the same time, I think you kind of still have to have them in that conversation. They're just such an annoying team. And I know we talked about it last week. Uh, Gabe, for, I know you don't, again, you don't really follow basketball too much, but they're kind of the fake tough guys of the NBA, so you have guys like Dylan Brooks, like, basically starting crap with other players, like a Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, if you don't know, like, he's, he's that guy, he's Spider, that's his nickname, like, this dude, he's a beast, he's one of the best two guards in the league right now, you know, he's a certified bucket, well, Dylan Brooks, you know, trying to start a fight with him, they both get ejected, but. They're a team, I mean, you're familiar with John Morant, right? Yes. So, I mean, they have him. They have some nice young pieces, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., which, Ryan, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the takes on him today. He's kind of included into the All-Star stuff, but we'll save that for a few more minutes. But they're they they have talent. I just don't know if they can maintain their composure. And, you know, some teams like that, and it can relate to any sports. I mean, you've seen really good football teams have a bunch of guys, you know, that are just really, really good, but they don't have the maturity. They don't have the, you know, can they handle adversity when they're back down? How are they going to handle their anger during times when, you know, when things get tough and they get tested? I feel like they're one of those teams that it's gonna they're going to end up folding. And I could be wrong. You know, they'll probably still be a top five team. You now, as we get deeper into the NBA season and come, you know, around early April when the seating, when seatings up are up for grabs and everything, they they could prove me wrong, but right now I still think that they're just kind of a pretender, not a contender, if that makes sense. But that's a look at Minor Ryan's top five teams. Now, kind of a look around the NBA to start this part off. You know, the Eastern Con- the Players of the Month. We have from the Western Conference Dame Dalla. Damian Lillard. He wins the Western Conference player of the month or week. Sorry. He goes two and one with the Portland Trailblazers during that stretch. Forty two point three points per game. Four rebounds, seven assists. Can you see them making the playoffs this year, Ryan? Maybe the play in. I know the yeah, it's it's tough. They're they're kind of a weird team. They I think they have a a pretty decent solid uh p- pretty decent starting five. But as far as their their bench, I don't think they have too much depth.
2: No.
0: Now from the Eastern Conference, Giannis Giannis Antetokounmpo gets awarded the Player of the Week for Week 15 of the NBA season. 38.3 points per game, 12.8 rebounds, four and a half assists. Bucks are four and zero oh during that stretch. Their team is starting to really get hot, and I think once Middleton fully once he's fully healthy. I think you're going to see them, you know, get back to that championship caliber play that we saw a few years ago. But for now, it's still the Celtics over them. But to kind of highlight the trade rumors, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the show. We are now, I believe, five days away from the NBA trade trade deadline, and we we actually talked about this before the show. It was kind of something that you kind of could see coming a little bit just given the last couple of years but you just didn't know for sure if they were going to bite the bullet but news just broke actually before this show Kyrie Irving demanded a trade from the Brooklyn Nets so we all know the drama that's gone on there the last two seasons not not shocking news but just given the fact that they've been as Ryan mentioned you know that times they were a top five team in the NBA At some points throughout the season, when they've been fully healthy, when KD's been on the court and everything, I think Kyrie's at a point where, you know, KD's not on the court, so he's having to carry the team, and he's frustrated. Rightfully so, but at the same time, if you're a leader, you you say you're that guy, you should be able to, you know, handle that. So it's kind of, I don't know, I still think he's one of the softer superstars, him and KD. He
2: has mental health issues. He's oh, gonna play his sure. way out of the league if he keeps acting like this. Every franchise he goes to.
0: Now, I wasn't really prepared prepared for it. Like, obviously, I, as I mentioned, it happened just minutes before we started recording this episode. What team do you think takes him? Takes a chance on him?
2: I'm not sure. He's 36 million dollars a year.
0: Obviously, He's he wants to go 20. to a contender.
2: I don't know who could get him. I mean, I saw that the Lakers were shopping Westbrook. Westbrook's salary's like. 43 million yeah, a year?
0: Some, over 40 yeah
2: something like that and Kyrie's I think at 36 million but the Lakers aren't really contending
0: I think the it, it would be they'd have so I think the Lakers they are one they've been linked to Kyrie the last two seasons it's no secret LeBron wants him I don't know how Rob Pelinka would pull it off Rob Palenka is the Lakers general manager if you didn't know Gabe but He's been really hard pressed on these two draft picks that don't really even matter because one is from 2027 and one's from 2029. I guess he's thinking what 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 are those? Those that's the the 8th grade class right now and the 6th grade class like if they're in school. So I guess he's he's assuming that, you know, maybe the next LeBron James is in 8th grade right now or her in 6th grade and he wants to hold on to those draft picks. But I think it's kind of ridiculous. I think he needs to part ways with those draft picks. If they can get Kyrie, you know, maybe LeBron and him find that magic that they had when they were in Cleveland together, but you would have to give up Russell Westbrook and probably another player plus those two first-rounders. Do you think that that would kind of be a possibly a fair trade? I don't know how the financials would look with that. I don't
2: know. It's just with all his off-the-court stuff Do you feel like that's too big of a distraction for a team that already is out of the playoffs as of right now? Like, they have to win, what, five games?
0: Yeah, something like that. I I think
2: they're 11.5 out of the one seed, five out of the play-in.
0: And the interesting thing about him, too, I believe he's up for an extension. So you have to commit to him long-term, you know, past this season.
2: He'll be a free agent after this season. He told him he'll walk if they don't trade him.
0: So either way, Brooklyn's going to either lose him for nothing, or, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get in return. So it's going to be something interesting to definitely watch over the next week. Kyrie Irving could be on another team. You know, he's gone from Cleveland to Boston to Brooklyn. And every single team, it's kind of been a toxic departure, if you will. We all know how the one in Boston went. And, you know, now this Brooklyn saga is not going well. Another trade rumor that I wanted to highlight, and you might have seen this as well, Ryan. Dallas is looking to go big game hunting. They're looking to pair Luca with another star. Which star player I don't know, but if if you kinda had some in mind, which which one do you think would kind of pair well with Luca? I think you I think you want to probably give him a shooter, right? For sure. Cause he's kind of a more you know driving kick, try to find a guy on the corner or, or beyond the three point arc. Or maybe I don't think they necessarily need another big man, but they could. I think that's something that they're lacking in the starting rotation, but they at least have Christian Wood coming off the bench.
2: Yeah, just what would they give up for a star player?
0: They said anybody uh, according, I believe who's their the what's what's the owner's name? I have no clue. Mark Mark Cuban. Yeah. So I believe Mark Cuban essentially said that everyone's up for grabs except for Luca. So, I don't
2: even know who they could get or who's.
0: So I think people that probably would give up, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has value. I think that, you know, Dwight Powell probably has some value. He's a decent bench player, you know, a big. And maybe Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, or Bullock. Maybe those guys, maybe those are the people he's referring to. I couldn't tell you. That's just what I saw, though, that they're trying to pair Luka with another star player. Which, honestly, that's what everyone's been waiting for. Gabe, have you seen Lucas' highlights before? Yeah, man, he's cold, man. He he has some game to him, man. But that's one thing the Dallas Mavericks, and I've said it, you know, over the past year or so, he's basically established himself as an MVP caliber player. He just doesn't have that person that's right next to him. You know, someone that can take off the scoring load or someone that can, you know, help dish the ball out or be a presence in the paint. That's something he hasn't really had. And I, it'd be interesting to see how it, his personality would gel with another star. So, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. They should have just kept Jalen Brunson.
0: I completely agree. I think that was still very stupid that they gave him up. Having a two guard. Because Luke is essentially a, a point guard. Yeah. but he, I mean, he, I think... Brunson was to stay there, you could probably have Luka be the off-ball guy and then have Brunson be the, you know, primary ball handler. And then, you know, you still give Luka his ISO moments, but I completely agree. I don't know why they let Jalen Brunson leave. I think that's still dumb because, you know, him and Luka, they played well together. And then you still had all your surrounding players. All you had to do was just pay them. But Dallas is going to have to figure that one out. Celtics or another team that's been involved in some rumors. So they're looking to add front court depth along with Al Horford and Robert Williams. I, I kind of like to see that because I think that they need another person. I was not getting any younger Robert Williams. I think he is a starting, uh, not a center, but a starting power forward. Only problem is he, you know, he lacks kind of on the offensive end. If it, if it's not in transition, he doesn't really have any post moves. And, you know, he can't stretch out to the three-point line. So some guys that were thrown around, you know, rumors to the Celtics. I know you're going to love this first player, Ryan. Kelly Olynyk.
2: I saw that. Them in Miami. I'm trying to get him.
0: So it would be a reunion with the Boston Celtics. I believe he last played for us in, oh, I want to say maybe 2017, 2016, something like that. Yeah. It's yeah. been a while. Because the Celtics originally drafted him from Gonzaga, and I hated it.
2: Oh, with his headband.
0: Because he never really materialized into anything, but and now he's found his niche in the NBA. You know, he's coming off the bench, he can hit threes. He's actually a decent rebounder now. He's he's turned into a pretty solid bench player.
2: For whatever reason, he plays well in the postseason. He's in yeah. some big games for Miami Yeah. and Boston.
0: And, he's, and that's another good point. He has postseason experience. So I think you can plug him into the the Celtics rotation coming off the bench I think he works fine. I like it. I don't know how the money looks but I think he'd be a good player. PJ Washington from Charlotte. Young younger player but has some game to him. I think he's a little bit more dynamic than Kelly Olynyk, more athletic and everything. I don't know. He he doesn't he lacks experience like postseason experience. He lacks winning. 'Cause I mean Charlotte's a dumpster fire. Yeah. That and he's not a very good decision maker. You know, hence the Brittany Renner drama. I know you saw that, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know how I'd feel about getting him. And then Mason Plumley. I'm not sure. Does he play, who does he play for now?
2: Charlotte or... I can't remember.
0: I know he played for Brooklyn for a period of time and I honestly couldn't tell you,
2: but yeah, he still plays for Charlotte.
0: He still plays for Charlotte. Okay, he he wouldn't be bad either. I believe he's a six eleven guy. Yeah, pretty decent rebounder.
2: He's a smart player. Yeah, he's actually a good passer. I mean, you know, you're what you're gonna get with him. He's coachable, gets along with his teammates, plays hard. He's always getting like elbowed in the face or whatever, putting his body on the line, loose balls. I mean, I don't really like him that much, but, I mean, I could see why anybody looking to make a deep po- like postseason run would want to sign him.
0: So he's definitely not a starter, but, yeah, I think he'd be a very good bench player for us. Zach Levine is, I think his time in Chicago is coming to an end. I believe he's been there. It's so weird. He's been there five seasons almost now, I want to say.
2: Hasn't he been injured a lot? He heard his knee yeah. again, didn't he? Mm-hmm. What would you guys have to give up for him?
0: Well, I wouldn't know, no, he's not linked to the Celtics. So. Um, I was just saying, he's a player that's been in trade rumors. I think he's been linked to the Lakers, of course. I mean, we said it time and time again, who isn't linked to the Lakers?
2: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the Bulls were good last year. They just can't.
0: They can't beat good playoff teams, They can't
2: stay healthy, either.
0: Yeah. I know him and Lonzo. I think that they would package them, possibly. I did see one that they were involved with the Lakers, that you package Lonzo and Zach Levine. And then the Lakers would send Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, and the two first-round picks. I don't know how you feel about that one.
2: I'm not sure. I mean, if you want another chip, I guess, but you're going to spend another decade trying to rebuild, get picks. Yeah. Because we know LeBron's going to leave eventually. He's already voiced. He wants to play with his son, wherever his son goes.
0: And then one of the other players, Oji Abanubi. From Toronto, he's uh, become a trade candidate as of late. The Raptors—they've kind of had the same core really since their championship season 2019. So you know they have Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Fleet OG Anunoby, and there's was another player I can't remember, but Gary Trent's there right now. They have a you know pretty strong nucleus, but it just do you really take them serious?
2: No, they're not going to win a chip.
0: So I can see why they would probably trade. You know, OG, he's a pretty good defender. I remember when he first came out, when the Raptors drafted him, he was supposed to be the LeBron stopper. <laughs> when the Raptors uh, met them in the playoffs, quite a bit. I think he's a solid player. I don't know which team would trade for him though. Obviously, a contender would probably trade for him though. I I want to say, I think that's what um was it Wendy Brian Windhorse.
2: He's a good player. Plays defense. Plays hard. No off the court issues. You know what you're going to get from him.
0: Now, what what's some things that have have you seen anything as far as like in the headlines that have grabbed your attention?
2: Just the Jaron Jackson Jr. stuff.
0: Oh, that's right. The blocks.
2: Yeah. You want to kind of blocks g- and steals.
0: You want to kind of give people an update on that one.
2: Uh, somebody was on Reddit and they were posting how. The stat keeper was giving him fake stats, so they were—they wa- showed clips, and he wouldn't even be involved in plays. And they'd give him blocks and steals, and he was nowhere near anything. He's averaging more. All of his stats at home are far better than away.
0: So basically, okay. they're padding his stats illegally. I don't know if they worthy of a fine. I feel like it kind of is.
2: Yeah, I mean, he might get Defensive Player of the Year if he All-star did and stuff, and they're, if they're padding his stats like that. They definitely have to look into it. I mean, CBS is, they have an article about it, ESPN, so it's not just, like, random internet gossip at this point. It's, like, I mean, it's real.
0: If you really got that, though, that would, people have to riot. They have to write That'd be insane.
2: That's embarrassing.
0: It is embarrassing.
2: 11 games with five-plus blocks this season. Yeah. And that
0: That's not very common. That's no. not very common at all. So that's enough of the rumors, though, and kind of a little update on the Jaron Jackson Jr. We're, we'll bring him up again. So now we get to look in the all-star starters and the captains. So I was actually wrong. So it is a Western Conference, and Eastern Conference captain. I don't know if you remember the last episode. I think I said that it could have been, you know, Luka and LeBron. But those, those are two Western Conference guys. So it wouldn't have worked. So this year's captains, LeBron James, again, I think he's just issuing for a captain spot every single year. And then Giannis Antetokounmpo gets the Eastern Conference captain. Fun fact: I think we mentioned it this time last year about the All Star game in 2022. LeBron James as a captain is actually undefeated since they implemented the new um, NBA All Star rules as far as like the fantasy draft type of thing. He's six and zero. So a little little fun tidbit there. The GM. He is a Legium. So the Eastern All-Stars look like this. Kevin Durant might change depending on if he's healthy or not. Giannis, of course. Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, and then Jason Tatum. Feel like feel like it's not not too far off of where it should be. I think that's pretty accurate. Western Conference, you have Curry, LeBron, Luka, Jokic, and Zion. How do you feel about Zion being the starter?
2: The dude's barely played. It's just not fair if they're not good, to I just don't understand it. If Anthony Davis doesn't get it because he's missed fourteen games, how are you gonna give it to Zion?
0: I completely agree. I don't. I don't. Anthony Davis was left off completely. Yeah. So now that's where we'll start next. The reserves, the Western Conference of reserves. You have John ja Morant, Shay Shea Gildress. I know you're happy about that. Yes. Do you have a jersey of his, by the way? Not yet. I think he's earned your respect. I think he's, you oh, for to, sure. I think he's you a good one. Damian Lillard, Paul George, Sabonis. I like that one. He's earned it this year. Jaron Jackson Jr. We've mentioned him quite a few times this episode. He somehow, someway, made an all-star reserve this year. And then uh, Laurie Markkinen. Might have pronounced his name wrong. Dude from the Jazz. Yeah. Now, the Eastern Conference reserves, you have Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, Joel Embiid, and Bam Adebayo. Now, this is co- as it does every single year. You always get some controversy over who should be in, who should be out. Now, ESPN, or actually SportsCenter, they had five players just right off the bat. And I think that they have some compelling cases that they should have been in. Some of these guys, I think you might agree with some of them. You may not. Jalen Brunson. Averaging 22 points, I believe, like four rebounds, maybe six assists. I'm assuming pretty good shooting percentages. Left off. James Harden. I can't. I couldn't tell you all the stats of his, but.
2: 21, 11, and 6. He's 7th in MVP voting.
0: I don't even know if he should be in MVP voting.
2: No, probably not, but how do you not put him in there?
0: Yeah. Anthony Davis, as we just mentioned, off the Western All-Star reserves behind Jaron Jackson Jr. Pretty ridiculous. That one, that's the biggest head-scratcher, I think. I think that Anthony Davis, I know he's missed a lot of time this season, but to put Jaron Jackson Jr. over him, that just doesn't make any sense. De'Aaron Fox. Another guy that's averaging, he's averaging around the numbers Jalen Brunson's averaging, but I believe he has more points per game on the Western Conference side. He has a compelling case. And then Anthony Edwards. So I don't know, in your opinion, Ryan, do you have anybody that kind of sticks out, or do you think those are the five that kind of probably got snubbed the worst?
2: Those are most of the people I have. I thought Anthony Edwards should have got in, just averaging 24, 6, and 4. I know stats aren't everything. I know it's also like if you're on a winning team, popularity, because I know the fans vote too. But it's just who would you take off? Yeah. It's kind of one of those.
0: That's one of the conversations that people don't like to have because then it just, I don't know, people get really defensive and it kind of gets funny. But Now the Western and Eastern Conference coaches, I think you can kind of agree with this. So the Western Conference, Mike Malone, obviously the Denver Nuggets have the best record in the West. And then Joe Mazzula, first year coach for the Boston Celtics, gets the nod as the Eastern Conference head coach. I don't really know any other candidate you could pick from the Eastern Conference that would, you know, be in place over him.
1: I can't think
2: of anyone.
0: Like, are you really going to pick Doc Rivers? No, not at all. Jacques Van. My dude. Could have picked cool. him. Could have been picked him. That would have been really cool if they picked him, but. I think Joe Mazzulla, he's earned it. I think he's done a really good job in Boston. I mean, granted, he doesn't really have to do much because they do have you know, two all-stars on their team, and they were a team that went to the NBA Finals last year, but that's neither here nor there. It's going to be exciting, though. That's where the NBA is right now. Just tune in for episode 40 when we will get more of the trade updates. I'm sure there's NBA trade deadline. I think I, bl- I believe I said it last year it's undefeated. That in NBA free agency was usually some of the biggest news in sports in sports media and everything. So tune in for that we'll have some updates for you guys. Now we get into the NFL. And it's one of the most exciting times of the NFL season. Super Bowl. We are now almost under a week away, I believe 10 days. Gabe, you've been quiet this whole episode. I know you don't really know too much about basketball and everything. I know you've been waiting for this moment. How excited are you for the Super Bowl?
3: You know, I got to say, I'm very excited for this matchup, man. Uh, of course, I will not be able to watch the game here with my family in Kansas City, man. But uh, I'm definitely excited for it, man. I can't wait.
0: And just, I know that 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 has to hurt because when they – I think back in 2019 when they went to the when they won the AFC Championship, and then they won the Super Bowl. Kansas City, it, it sounded like a, a war zone, so to speak, in a good way. You know, fireworks. Of course, it sounded like the Fourth of July. Right. And you know it, it happened again. You know, just this last weekend. So, man, I know you're gonna be missing out on that once Kansas City Chiefs. it now they're gonna beat the Philadelphia Eagles, but I know you're gonna be missing that. Well, where would your family have met up at? At your Uncle John's? Uh, out, of, out
3: of there. There or, uh, of course, at Betty's house. Yeah. Sure. yeah.
0: Plenty of room at those places. Oh, yeah. Big screen TVs. But to kind of, before we get into, you know, the matchups that I highlighted at the beginning of the show and some of the preview for the big game, we're going to kind of recap the conference championships. And honestly, I think you could say that I said it last week. I believe Chiefs and Bengals part four. You could have said that was the Super Bowl. I mean, you, that that game had everything. You had the different storylines, all the trash talk, two pro, uh, primetime quarterbacks. It lived up to the hype. You know, another one score game. Kansas City edges them out, win by three with Harrison Bucker hitting the last second field goal. There was three seconds on the clock, and Bengals got the. Uh, The kickoff, of course, but Kansas City was able to overcome some adversity in that one. The game itself peaked at 53.1 million viewers, which I believe it says, Fox Front Office Sports said that it made the most watched TV program on any network since last year's Super Bowl. So the NFL just continues to dominate viewership wise and just continues to put up like just crazy numbers now a thing. And then, so we, so real quick, the NFC side, and this is really a short recap on them. Cause I mean, it wasn't much of a contest. Philly absolutely blew the Niners out and it was kind of sad because the Niners didn't have a quarterback that could throw. Unfortunately, Brock Purdy, I believe he tore his UCL. I want to say so he he at one point I think he couldn't grip a football so I mean if you pair that and being a rookie quarterback going against that Eagles defense this is a recipe for disaster unfortunately for them because I was kind of rooting for I, I was rooting for a good game I picked Philly to win that game I thought Brock Purdy was going to do okay but then once he got hurt it just went downhill yeah Josh Josh Johnson come in you know to be the backup and he didn't do very good. He's a he's a journeyman in the NFL. He's had a long career, but he's he's a you know, a career backup. He's not a guy that you're gonna rely on. He's not known for his throwing ability. He's pretty athletic, but it just he just wasn't gonna keep them in the game. And, you know, as we all saw he didn't. I think towards the end of the game, they just kept handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey just praying That the Niners offensive line would somehow, you know, bust a hole open and Christian McCaffrey would spill out of it. But that's just not, it just never materialized. Philly's defense showed up. Honestly, Philly's offense, it played good in some spots. But Jalen Hurts really didn't have like an MVP caliber game. I think he was under 250 yards passing. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But I believe he was. He was held under, you know, his... His season average for rushing yards, I want to say. And really, I think the only reason why they scored points was because Philly's defense you know, put them in really good positions. Otherwise, San Francisco's defense was kind of holding them in check. And rightfully so. I mean, San Francisco also had, I think, a top three defense. So, I mean, I get it, but that, that's how we got to where we are right now. I don't know the viewership on that game. But something interesting that came about, the Chiefs and the Eagles winning, there was a sports better. He made a sweat-free sweat, sweat $20,000 Super Bowl winner. So this guy, I don't know if that made sense, but. So he made two separate bets. He picked the Philadelphia, or he beat Kansas City back in September. So September 8th, that was the opening night of this, the NFL season. He picked Kansas City to beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. At plus 15000 he placed a $130 bet to win $20,000. And he also placed a $125 bet for the Eagles to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So either way, this man's walking away with $20,000 no matter what. Very, very power. That's a smart move. Power move. Kudos to that guy. He's going to be $20,000 richer. I wish I would have did that. But then again, I don't really have $130 to bet. Now, we can kind of get into the matchups that I meant. Well, actually, first, one of the things one of the things that really stood out from this past game, and I hope it happens again, I'm sure you guys will agree, one of the main reasons the Chiefs won this game against the Bengals, all the rookies from the 2022 draft class stepped up in some capacity. All of them played major roles in this game, which usually doesn't happen in the AFC Championship game. Usually those are your vets that are going to win those games, which they did. But, you know, Field Yates of ESPN, he kind of highlighted the rookies that we had that made plays. Trent McDuffie had six tackles, two pass breakups. George Kyle had one sack. Sky Moore had three catches. Not very much in the receiving category, but he had that key punt return at the end of the game that helped set up that last-minute field goal or last-second field goal. Brian Cook, one of our rookie safeties, four tackles, one pass breakup. He was the rookie that tipped the ball to another rookie that got the interception, Joe Burrow's second interception, which was, I believe, Joshua Williams. Jalen Watson had an interception, and we all know how the bad boy Isaiah Pacheco. Dude's a stud. He had 85 total yards of offense, and he was a seventh-round draft pick. Just think about where we would be, you know, if we didn't have him. We might not even be in this position. I hope those guys all step up again. It'd be, you know, tremendous if they did. But now to kind of, as I mentioned, we can finally get into the moment you've all been waiting for. One of the key matchups, as I alluded to early on, is going to be in the trenches. Gabe, me and Ryan, we know that you have your expertise from the trenches playing at Dodge City Community College, playing at William Jewell College, and now you're on to your next venture in arena football. Trenchers are different, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they most definitely are, man. You have to have a certain nasty in you, right? Yeah,
3: it's not, it's not for the faint of heart, for sure.
0: Now, we can first break down the Philly offensive line and the Chiefs defensive line. What matchups – have stood out to you what matchups are you most looking forward to
3: to be honest the biggest one i'm gonna say is jason kelsey versus uh chris jones you know that's something i definitely want to see uh kind of see because of course you know jason kelsey hands down i'm gonna go ahead and say he is the best center in the league for sure but i want to see how he kind of stands up against uh, jones in a way man um, and another thing I want to see is Jones kind of actually playing defensive end a little bit more, we kind of throwing him out randomly, kind of like how we did with uh, going against Cincinnati. You know, that big-time sack he had at the end of the game. I can't believe it was a third down or it was a fourth down. I can't remember exactly. But that's definitely the main one I want to see for sure.
0: And Chris Jones, he has the size advantage. Chris Jones, I believe, is like 6'5", 300-something, nose guard. Jason Kelsey, he's a – I think he's only 6'2". He's 6'1". Six one, so not much taller than you either, and he's he's just under two hundred or just under three hundred pounds, I believe. So not a not the imposing the typical imposing offensive lineman that you see. He holds his own though. He's you know pound for pound one of the best offensive linemen. Period. I'm excited to see that one too. Chris Jones finally silenced all the doubters. Got his first two postseason sacks, which me and Ryan talked about last on the last episode. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. I thought he had one postseason career sack. He had none going into the last week against Cincinnati. Frank Clark, oddly enough, had 12. 12. I think now Frank Clark has 14 or 13, 13 and a half or 14. Now what's another one? So the I know the Eagles, they have guys like uh, Jordan Malata at left tackle and then Lane Johnson at right tackle.
3: Um, the other one is going to be uh... – What's his name? The left tackle for the Eagles for sure. Uh, Jordan Milata. Yeah, going against uh, Frank Clark. For sure that's another matchup I want to see. Uh, Frank Clark definitely, I don't know if you guys remember, you know, preseason, I guess you could say, he did lose a lot of weight for this season. You know, he did have that alcohol problem, you know, which, of course, leads to weight gain. Um, This season, he definitely has played a little bit better. He's definitely been a lot quicker. It's been healthier. Yeah, for sure, hands down, for sure. That's has been my second matchup I would like to see.
0: And then I'm assuming on the right side is where we're going to see either Carlos Dunlap or George Carlaftis against Lane Johnson, widely regarded one of the best right tackles in pro football when he's healthy. How do you think that Carlaftis, Karla, uh, if he gets the start against him, how do you think a rookie – handles going up against, you know, that caliber player.
3: You know, it's definitely gonna be interesting for sure, especially being a rookie going against, you know, a high caliber offensive tackle like that. Uh I'm gonna be honest, I don't know if it'll be his best performance. Of course, you know, he did get a he did get a sack last game. It's definitely gonna be a lot tougher against a type of tackle like that though for him.
0: And that's the thing I kind of forgot to mention too. The Chiefs D line ate up Cincinnati's offensive line granted I think you kind of have to we've said it a few times during the NFL season when Hector was on as well we've played against some not so great offensive linemen the Chiefs D line had really good games do you kind of kind of have to take that game with a grain of salt or do you still stay excited about that
3: um, I'm going to take it because I believe we uh, there were some backups playing for the Cincinnati offensive line, I'm pretty sure, so I'm kind of taking that into consideration as well.
0: So a little bit of like a grain of salt.
3: Right, exactly, exactly.
0: Because now you get the number one rushing offense in the league, and really they don't – well, actually, you, you had an interesting tidbit before the show.
3: Oh, yeah, so I kind of look up the stats, kind of like uh, how many sacks uh, – We gave up and how many sacks? Like, so Jalen Hurts, I think he got sacked a total around, I believe it was 70 times. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, what was it again? I think it was 44. 44, yeah. Right, and I think the Chiefs got sacked, was it 20? Don't quote me on this, it was 26 times. In the 20s, though. I believe you did say that. that,
0: Yeah. That's interesting, though, for a team that's widely regarded as the best offensive line in, in the league you know the chiefs are definitely i think i think you could throw the chiefs in the top 5 you know sometimes the tackles ryan ryan's highlighted them before orlando brown junior and andrew wiley they've had their moments but it's that, pretty surprising that we've given up less sacks and especially because we think about how much more we throw the football than them right so that those are definitely going to be some matchups to watch from philly's offensive perspective and Kansas City's defensive perspective. I think we're definitely going to have to blitz because you're not going. There's not going to be times where you're going to be able to get pressure with those those four guys, which it would pr- most likely be Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Derek Nottie, and then you know Carl Aftis or Carlos Dunlap. You're going to have to probably send you know Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, the Jerry Sneed. I'm assuming he'll be back from concussion protocol. And then even this last game, we saw Trent McDuffie step up and kind of he would he would get sent on some slot corner blitzes. Now now we'll flip the, flip the side. We'll go Kansas City's offensive line. I know you got some players on there you like.
3: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: And the, the Eagles' defensive line. So the Eagles' defensive line kind of looks like this. I believe you have Josh Sweat at one of the edge rushers. I want to say that they run a 3-4. So three down linemen with the two outside linebackers because you have, you have, like I mentioned, Josh Sweat. I think they have Jordan Hargraves. And then you also have, um, I don't know if Jordan Davis is healthy.
3: I'm not really for sure.
0: He was the rookie from Georgia, though. You have him. And then you also have um, Fletcher Cox. You say Brandon. Brandon oh, Graham. Yeah. So they, they have a stout defensive line. And I know you're very familiar with the Chiefs offensive line, of course, but how do you think that our guys can kind of stack up against them?
3: To be honest, I feel our interior, so the guards in the center, I feel you know, they'll, be, they'll definitely be solid going up against them. My main matchup that I'm kind of worried about is Orlando Brown. I'm not too big on Orlando Brown, to be honest with you. I'm really not. I think and you and a lot
0: of people in Kansas City.
3: Yeah, and especially if he lines up against – Yeah, so back on uh, Orlando Brown, you know, not really high on him uh, just because his performance and, you know, kind of the big talk we had once we, whenever we did get him on the Chiefs, man, you know. His run blocking is solid, but when it comes to pass blocking, especially someone going against, you know, I know Brandon, he's going to line up against Orlando Brown for sure, and I feel that's going to be a struggle for him in the passing game.
0: One player I didn't really mention on, Phillies defense either. As I mentioned they play I believe a three four defense. Don't quote me on that, but I think they do because they have their outside linebackers. They have a guy like Hassan Reddick. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Hassan Reddick. He was a new addition to their defense from Carolina. He's a he's a pass rusher. Like that's his primary you know, his primary goal on their defense. That's his or primary role, I should say. That's what I was trying to say. He's an athletic dude. I think they kind of move him around a little bit. He sometimes lines up on the right side, but Orlando Brown. This is this is another game, in his this is another career game. We mentioned it in episode thirty-eight last week. Look, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. He had to be on point because if you're trying to get paid Trent Williams money, which I'm sure he still is, now you have arguably one of the greatest defense, or not one of the greatest, but. One of the best defenses this year. And the Chiefs have played against some good defenses, but the Eagles defense I think it's been a top top two between them and the forty ers you know, throughout the year. It's gonna be tough. So we mentioned Orlando Brown Jr. now. Now I I think the other obvious one we can we can kinda take a guess. The other tackle position.
3: Uh Wiley? Yes. Yeah. Uh I really don't know what to think about him to be honest. Uh I don't know exactly who will he actually be going up against if lined up on that side for the Eagles defense.
0: He may draw Reddick. Not not an ideal matchup.
3: Yeah, definitely not. So I feel the the, the pressure that Mahomes is going to get is definitely going to come from the outside due to our tackles. Um I feel it's going to be more they're definitely going to lose a lot of the battles for sure. That's the only word I would say I have for the Chiefs' offensive line. Like I said, their interior, the interior offensive line for us, you know, you got a uh, Dooney, Humphrey, and then uh, who's the right guard? Trey Smith. Smith, yeah, Trey Smith. There, that's a, that is a solid trio in the interior, man.
0: I like, the, yeah, I like those three a lot. I, I was, I was annoyed with Henry Wiley last week. He, he did okay, but then, did you see the? I'm sure both of you guys saw it. The uh, under, er, taunting. the taunting penalty. it's like, dude, you're lucky to even be on this team. You're the last person that needs to be taunting anybody. You're lucky to be in the league. Right. Like, I'm just being truthful. That dude, he's probably gone next year, and not because of that reason, just because his play. Right. And, you know, he was a part of the now the now infamous Super Bowl fifty-five offensive line. You know, the the freshman squad, essentially. We had five backup offensive linemen. I don't think any of the other four are starting in the league anymore. Andrew Wiley is lucky to be starting. But I, I agree, they're gonna lose they're gonna lose some times throughout the game. They might have success here and there. What are you what are some ways that you can kinda combat that defensive front? You know, do you run it a little bit more? The Chiefs, they haven't been shy about going three tight end sets and 13 personnel this year. That's actually helped out a lot. It's kind of kept defenses on their toes because they don't know how they're, you don't know what the Chiefs are going to do.
3: Right. To be honest, uh, with them head rushers, the edge rushers, though, uh, what the Eagles have, you know, as you saw against Cincinnati, uh, you know, Isaiah Pacheco will kind of check down on the defensive end and kind of go out. No, Mahomes, throw a lot to him real quick, you know. So, quick pass games, you know, using the running backs, kind of chipping the defensive end to slow him down a little bit. Just throwing check downs, kind of like how we did against Cincinnati.
0: Mahomes is definitely going to have to be patient, which Jerick McKinnon, he's actually a really good pass blocker, too. Isaiah Pacheco, he's, he's become a lot better. He actually had a really good game against Cincinnati in, in that regard. But, yeah, Mahomes, he's going to have to be patient. He's going to have to test that ankle a little bit. Right. And, you know, lucky enough for us. He's now had two he's going to have two weeks to have a heal. You know, obviously now he's recon coming up to the the one one week mark, but then by Super Bowl Sunday, it'll be about two weeks. So, I think this last game you could definitely tell he wasn't at 100%, but he still his mobility looked, you know, fairly well. We saw him pick up that crucial uh first down late in the game. A couple times he had to run. It it, it looked awkward. I mean it's a high ankle sprain. It's not gonna look it's not gonna look hundred percent, but he did what he had to do. We we also saw him handle pressure well and you know, climb the pocket, make some unbelievable throws. I think of that one to M V S in the back of the end zone, you know, that one was pretty crazy. I think you I think you'll see him a lot more healthy and he handles pressure well. Teams can't blitz him. The best way you can attack Patrick Mahomes and that offense is rushing forward. And, you know, hopefully our offensive line can hold up, and I think they'll do what you said. You know, I have that running back chip always. I think you have to have a tight end chip always, definitely on those edge guys. Now, the run game, there's our run game can kind of be hitting this, and we did, really didn't run the ball that well against Cincinnati. I believe the Eagles are one of the top rush defenses. now. Do you, At one point, do you think that the Chiefs kind of abandoned it? Because they they did a little bit, but they kind of would throw it. They would use it as a jab almost, like boxing turn. Right. You know, do they try to commit to it early? Or do they, you know, just come out chucking, throw the ball, and then
1: set up the run? I would kind of
3: hard to answer. You know, I would more say kind of, you know, you do it you in a box in terms, jabbing it, you know, running it, running it. And then, you know, trying to set up for a pass play to get, get downfield. But uh I would definitely actually come out running the rock first.
0: I agree. I think you have to set it up, take a little bit of pressure off Mahomes. And then I think you also get to see kind of how their defense is going to attack. See what kind of fronts you get initially. You know, see what the secondary, what kind of coverage they roll out at first. I feel, I'll say this, I feel a lot more confident in this matchup than I did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as I mentioned, in Super Bowl 55 when we had the world's worst offensive line starting. I think that that defensive line was really good. This defensive line is really good, but obviously our offensive line is much better at that point. Patrick Mahomes is healthy. It's going to be a battle, though. And we won't say too much more about the game because I've mentioned this is only the first part of the preview. We definitely want to Gabe's insight on that. He delivered. That was very good. Glad we were able to get you on for that, man. But one last thing about the Super Bowl, and then we'll kind of highlight a few things that have gone on around the NFL. The So I mentioned the better that he placed those bets. Now the other thing that I saw about this, this Super Bowl, the tickets are always a hot. You know, a hot conversation. I think about the AFC Championship game. I thought these tickets were kind of pricey. I'm sure you guys would agree. At Arrowhead Stadium, they were charging, I believe, over $250, $300 for the 300 level. Honestly, that doesn't look that bad now. The Super Bowl, the get-in price, I'm sure it probably changes. This was about a week ago, but... One of the at that time the get in price was fifty seven hundred dollars in Glendale, Arizona. It's going to be at the Arizona Cardinals Stadium. If you guys, do you do you think you would ever consider that?
2: No, not even if I was a millionaire. There's no way.
0: Not even a millionaire.
2: Millionaire. No, that's how you go broke. That is how you go broke. But it's a once in a lifetime thing. My TV's pretty good.
0: That is true. I agree with you there. What about you, Gabe? I'm
3: gonna be honest. I'm gonna be the opposite, man. I would say yes.
0: I would. I would do it once. And I know the Chiefs have made the Super Bowl three times in the last five years, but you just never know when they're gonna go back. And it's hard to take that for granted. Just because, I just think about the Chiefs' history. Just think about the this when we won in 2019. The years prior, you know, it was 50 year gap. You know, hopefully you have 50 years to save up that money. That's a fair point, I feel like. Now, I look around the NFL as we kind of come to the stopping point of this episode. Tom Brady stole headlines once again. He did the same thing last year, and it kind of annoyed me. He does it again this year. He announced his retirement, this time for good. Do you guys think he comes back? Another 40-day hiatus. Probably not. I think he's done for good.
3: I would say so, but I'm going to wait 45 days.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just to make sure. I, I just don't like, I think he did the same thing last year. It was around the Super Bowl time. You know, all the media is hyping up the game, talking about all the different storylines, the headlines, because this, this game has a lot of storylines, and we're going to talk more about it in, in the next episode to go along with, you know, the one of the key matchups in the trenches. But I just feel like he's stealing headlines again. And I don't know if that's just him picking a random time, or if it's just his ego that like he needs to be in the news. People, it was
2: February first, yeah. of years.
0: What? Oh, so it was. Yeah, that's no coincidence. I think he wants to stay relevant, and you know, he's he's obviously going to transition to the broadcasting role now. But people may call me a hater. I don't really care. I think he's. I think that's completely his ego. And. Something that comes along with this now, and not a lot of people have talked about it because you know it gets overshadowed because of Brady. What do the Buccaneers do next from the quarterback position? I believe their cap situation isn't good. I don't think their draft position is very good. You have not necessarily a lot of older players, but you have a lot of established veterans that are expensive. It's not like you can go out and sign you know a top notch quarterback. It's not like you can go out and trade up in the draft to get, you know, one of these next up-and-coming quarterbacks? You know, do you go try to shoot for a guy like Jimmy G? Do you take a chance on Aaron Rodgers? Do you take a chance on Derek Carr? It's going to be something interesting to watch this offseason. Because I don't think they're going to roll with Blaine Gabbert, product of Missouri. I highly doubt that.
2: I mean, you're not a playoff team no matter what quarterback you have, right? Because don't they also have – they're losing five starters on defense too, right?
0: Um, they might. I think in their secondary. But their inter- their D-line, if they, if they can hold it intact, I don't know which player's are up for extensions. I don't know who's up for be free agent. But, you know, I think of their key defensive guys, Levante David, Devin White, Vita Vea, Gabe, I know you're a fan of him. He's a beast. Yes, sir. And then, you know, they have, uh, what was the other guy? He was their edge rusher, number 58, Shaq Barrett. They have guys like that. I don't know if they're able to keep all of them. That's their strong point right now is their defense. Their defense kept them in games this year when Brady was bad. But then you also still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So it's like, do you just completely implode that roster and just move these star guys and just get draft capital? And then you know, clear the books. And then maybe down the road you try to find that quarterback? Or do you just ride with what you got and try to go find a veteran, like the guys that I mentioned?
2: I'll just ride with it.
0: And try to go get, you know, Jimmy G or Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers?
2: No.
0: Just roll with Blaine Gabbard. They yeah. also have just Kyle Trask.
2: Stuff. Because aren't they over the salary cap? Yeah. I know they're increasing it, but they're still over. I just don't feel like that team's gonna go anywhere. So why do just good enough to not get like any good picks?
0: But you do have to take into consideration how bad the NFC South is.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: What do you think, Gabe?
1: It's a tough it's a tough call. Yeah, I say I really I'm not really for sure, man. Uh, I'd say basically just roll with it. Try
3: to get draft picks, man.
1: Okay. So I have another kind of not
0: really question, not yet, but another a headline that broke this week: Denver Broncos, Broncos country, let's ride. They might might be a little bit of you know, uh, there might be some sunshine peering out of those dark clouds in Colorado. Denver Broncos are gonna get Sean Payton as their next head football coach. Is it a good move? Is it not? I mean, he had success in New Orleans, but they're also giving up draft picks that you, that they just acquired. And the Bradley Chubb trade. So they trade Bradley Chubb to Miami. Got a first round pick after not having one because of the Russell Wilson trade. And now you just send it right back out. So it's kind of a double edged sword. You get your coach that you really, really liked. But you also lose your draft capital. And you're with a guy that they have to restructure Russell, Russell Wilson's contract. But my question that now comes with this. Do you guys think that Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson?
2: I guess it's worth a shot as a franchise. I mean, maybe new quarterback. I mean, we see players, you know, new coaching. Maybe. I'm not sure.
0: Fresh start, new offensive scheme could be could be beneficial.
3: Yeah, I'd say yeah, I'd say possibly. Like you said, it's worth a shot. Of. I mean, anything really they get is a plus for them right now.
0: I can't imagine it could get any worse. It could. They were the lowest scoring offense in the league this season, I believe. So, I mean, it can't technically get any worse, but it, it has to go up. You have, you know, you have offensive talent. Russell Wilson still has some of the tank. I mean, we saw how he performed against Kansas City. He gave us our, the run for our money. You know, they had guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, two pretty talented young tight ends. Uh, Javante Williams, once he comes back from his ACL injury. Like, that offense, it has, you know, some notable players. Their offensive line isn't that great. Got to build that up. Sean Payton is a good offensive-minded coach, though. You saw the success he had with a shorter quarterback and Drew Brees. He's the master of the screen game. I think you'll see a lot of that to take pressure off of Russell Wilson. But does it, is it a needle mover? Kind of. I just think that if people are overreacting right now, you need to pump the brakes. Because last year they were ready to anoint Denver as the AFC West champions after they got Russell Wilson. So... I think it's kind of a wait and see. I don't think you can trust them just yet. And then lastly, one of the last news, D'Amico Ryans became the new head coach for the Houston Texans. He was the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. I wonder in this situation, though, and it's kind of kind of weird because the Houston Texans, the last two seasons, they had two African-American head coaches. Both got fired after one season. D'Amico Ryans is African-American. You know, I'm not trying to go down that avenue, but I'm just saying. You know, those two guys got fired after one season. They're obviously tanking. What's to say they don't do the same to D'Amico Ryan's? He did get a six-year contract, and you know maybe they feel like he's the coach of the future. But it's a little little controversial. But I don't know. That's something that just got brought up during the week once he got hired. So. I hope he has success there, though. I just hope they don't do him dirty. If that makes sense.
2: If you're going to sign him to a long deal, at least give him a chance. Draft his own players. Try and bring in veterans. Do what he wants to do. At least give him a chance. It's hard to turn around a franchise, but
0: I just don't understand. Yeah, I agree. I just don't understand the the point they were coming from where they hire a David Coley, basically give him eighteen million dollars, I believe, to tank, and then they give Levy Smith a job to tank. I don't know. They're a weird franchise, though. And the Pro Bowl games. The Pro Bowl, in in the show with this, the Pro Bowl is this weekend. It's a little bit different. Gabe, I know it kind of sucks for you, because there's no offensive line now since they have moved to a 7-on-7 flag football. It'll be the first year that they implement this. They had the Pro Bowl games last night. They had the dodgeball, the kick-tack-toe with the field goal kickers, and then they also had the precision passing Derek Carr oddly enough won that in Vegas it'll be interesting though I want to see how the viewership will pan out because people were complaining about the products you know basically they are playing two hand touch so now I want to see how the flag football aspect works for it now but that is all we have for episode 39 Gabe you want to say any parting words before you head to South Dakota
3: uh, go Chiefs
0: Marshall's country, let's ride. Yes, sir. South Dakota or Rapid City Marshals, tune in for their games. Ryan, any parting words? Not really. On to episode (laughs) forty. Tune in next week, guys. We'll see you.